Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving to you all. Hope you all had a great uh, Thanksgiving together. I know we did, and uh, we are launching our, uh, as Chris just said, our Advent series called Among Us this week, which I don't know about you, when I first heard it, perhaps some of you young people uh, among us are a little disappointed that this series is not about uh, small, armless, colorful uh, astronauts running around on a spaceship trying to find imposters. But that video game was uh, very successful this time last year, actually. It was, uh, I was just thinking about it, we, uh, last Thanksgiving, you know, which most of us were in quarantine, and it was fun to connect with other families online and play Among Us together, and uh, that was a lot of fun. But this series is not about that. This sermon series is based on John chapter 1, and today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5 in John chapter 1. And I hope that as we go through this sermon series, it just increases expectancy among us to see God work in new ways and to renew that cry among us of of, come Lord Jesus. But this passage in John chapter 1 is an intro to John's sort of the main themes that he's going to play out through the whole book and they're sort of hard-baked right there into verses 1 through 5. And the things that John talks about in this passage is incredibly dense and incredibly rich, as you're going to see today, I hope. But this, it's talking about things that are absolutely core to who we are as believers, the things that are at the very heart of what we believe as Christians and who God has revealed himself to be. And so we're going to go through that this morning, but let's read together John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. So my hope is to do two things this morning that I hope I can do seamlessly. One is to sort of understand what is it exactly that John is saying here. He's so fascinatingly, it's hard to spit that word out, attentive to detail and, and the words that he uses for very specific reason, his choice of words And what is he saying about Jesus, the Word? And then secondly, to to think a little bit deeper about how this passage plays into some other sort of broader themes that John taps into uh, in his gospel. And what is it saying about Jesus, the Word, in in the broader context of how God works in redemption? And then hopefully I can tie that into Christmas uh, somehow at the end. But understanding this passage, let's just go through it piece by piece quickly. It says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And when you hear in the beginning, for many of us, it takes us back to Genesis 1-1, which is exactly what John's intent is. It's supposed to take us back to creation and that Jesus, the Word, was there in the beginning. And we know he's talking about Jesus when he says the Word because 
As he plays out the passages that we're going to look at in the, in the coming weeks, he says the Word became flesh. And it's obvious he's talking about Jesus. He's saying Jesus was there in the beginning. But he calls him the Word. He says in the beginning was the Word. He calls Jesus the Word which has multiple meanings. And this is something John loves to do in his, his gospel. He uses words that have two or three possible meanings, all of which are true. And that's the case here when he's talking about the word. John's writing broadly to a wide audience of Greeks and Jews. It's not specific to, to one people as some of the other letters are in the New Testament. And so some of the people reading this will think of it in different ways. And perhaps that's what John was thinking. To the Greeks, when they hear the word which in Greek is the logos, when they hear that, they're thinking about their famous philosophers, Aristotle and others, who talk about the logos and, and the, the reason of all things, the reason of being the rational principle that governs all things. That be, might be what they hear when John says it, and that would be true of Jesus. For the Jews who'd be reading his letter, it's, it's a, a term that they use to refer to God sometimes. And so... Also true, Jesus is God. And then thirdly, the Word, we think of the spoken Word that Jesus is the Word of God. Sort of echoing what we read in Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, where it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Jesus is the Word of God. But essentially, at the heart of it, you know, in the beginning was the Word. Jesus, he, John is trying to drive home this simple point that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He was there in the beginning. He is the Logos. He is the Word, the principle, the reason behind all things. He is God. And then he says, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Which is a very weird manner of speaking. <laughs> We're so familiar with this passage, so it doesn't really, you know, occur to us. But if I said to you this morning, or someone said to you this morning at church this morning, Dave was with Paul, and Dave was Paul. <laughs> Dave was at church with Paul. You would think I'd been drinking, right? <laughs> or whoever you talk to. Vikings haven't even lost the game yet, and you're already hitting the bottle. <laughs> we all know they're going to lose. It's the Canadian in me. We expect, you know, set your expectations low and then just be super excited when you exceed the expectations, right? But it's this very weird manner of speaking. But the basic meaning, again, is... Jesus is God. He's separate. We're going to talk about this later. They're separate. God the Father, God the Son, but one in the same God. He is one with God. And this phrase and others in John are, are, became so important in the history of the early church. It became the, the battleground about this argument over who was Jesus. Was he God or was he... What does it mean that he's the son? What does it mean that he was begotten? As it says later in John chapter 3, this became this battleground. But John is trying to emphasize, no, he is 
God. And that battle continues to this day with um, cults like uh, the Jehovah's Witness, if you read their translations, where they will take this passage and translate it, he was a God. And so it continues, the, the fight over this to this day. But John then goes on to say, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So John's making the point here, creation came through him, talking about the function of Jesus, the word, the son, that creation was accomplished through him. Talk about more about this in a minute. But again, this affirmation that Jesus is God, the source of all life. And goes on to say then, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And John uses this term life 36 times in his gospel. And as you go through all those passages, you see when he's talking about life, he's talking about eternal life. As we see in John 3.36 where he says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. In him is eternal life and light, the light of men, which means life and truth. In John 3, 19 through 21, it says, Now this is the basis for judging that the light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil deeds hates the light and does not come into the light so that their deeds will not be exposed, but the one who practices the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly evident that his deeds have been done in God. He is eternal life, and he is the light, the truth, the goodness. And then it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And again, John chooses words that have double meanings, both of which are true. Another translation, like the New English translation, says the darkness has not mastered it. Trying to choose an English word that describes both of the meanings that, that John has here, like to master something, to wrestle, to, to overcome. That the darkness, that the evil has not overcome the good, the light, and the truth. Or to master something in terms of uh, knowledge or, or ideas, to understand Truth versus deception or falsehood and deception. Kind of tapping into this idea of, of, of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. The darkness has not mastered it, has not overcome it. So John has these two sort of meanings at work here when he writes this. So in these few verses, John 1 through 5, he's just sort of repeatedly just hammering on the same thing, which are the central themes of his entire book, his entire gospel. Number one, that Jesus is God. This Jesus that I'm going to tell you about, that I'm going to describe to you, he is God. And that he is the salvation of the world. He is the light of men. He is the eternal life. He is the logos, the reason behind all things. Salvation is in him. Jesus is God and salvation is in him. And that, so that's what he's stating here at the outset of his gospel. And then at the end of his gospel, in chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, he says it again. 
quite plainly. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is his purpose, that you would know that he is God and that he is the light of the world. He is the Logos. He is the salvation of men. This is John's purpose. And so, despite the language being a a, a little bit tricky here, his message is, is quite plain. He is God. He is salvation. And so, moving from that now, I think John also has uh, another purpose that he kind of, he sprinkles in here into these verses that also taps into these other themes that he is trying to express in his book and in his desire for us to know God. Because John, John is the beloved disciple. He knows Jesus better than anyone. And he wants us to know him. He wants to know him as God. He wants us to know him as salvation. But he wants us to know who he is, what he is like, and how he works. And so he taps into this sort of full being of who God is and his broader understanding. And in chapter 1, throughout the chapter, but in our verses, he taps into these central mysteries of the, the Christian faith that tell us so much about who God is and what he is like. In our verses, he taps into this idea that we talked about earlier in this weird manner of speaking, where he taps into this idea that God is multiple persons. One God, multiple persons in our passage. And then the second central mystery of the Christian faith, the incarnation, that God became man, which we'll talk about next week. But John's gospel is so unique in terms of the emphasis and the amount of information that he gives us concerning the being and the life of God as Trinity. And it's different from the other Gospels. And so we have to assume there's something that John wants us to know about God that he's telling us that hasn't been given to us already in the other Gospels that he wants us to see. And to get technical for a minute, Not too technical, don't worry. John starts to tap into these these mysteries about God as he is in Trinity. And he taps into these three truths. Number one, that God is three persons. God is three separate persons. In this case, talking about the Word, the Son, and the Father. The Word was with God. Separate persons. And two, that each of them is Fully God in and of themselves. The Word was God. He was with God, separate persons, but He was God. Fully God. And that there is only one God, as we're going to see in, uh, in a couple of minutes here, how they indwell one another. There is only one God. If you've seen one, you've seen the others. Because they're one and the same, yet they're different persons. <laughs> this is a central mystery of the Christian faith that is is beyond our comprehension, but is, is taken by faith because John and others explain to us who God is and what He is like. So God is Trinity, three persons, each fully God, each one God. But then there's a difference among them that John taps into. 
to use a big word, ontologically, (laughs) in being, in essence, they are the same. There is no difference among them. Co-equal in glory and majesty and all the attributes of God are in each, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then there is a difference among them in terms of how they relate to us and to the creation. And this is what we refer to sometimes as the economic trinity. Don't need to remember that. But it's these different ways that the three persons interact with the creation, the Father as the creator and the originator of redemption. And then what John taps into here in our passage, the Son, that creation and redemption, life comes through Him. All things were made through Him. Life is in Him. It is His function, different from the others within the Trinity. And then the Spirit applies this redemption and empowers and teaches us and indwells us with the life of God. And so John plays these things out in quite surprising detail in his gospel. I want to read a few passages together just to see how these things play out. What I think John wants us to see and what he is introducing to us in these passages. John 12, 44 through 45, Jesus says, And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. The Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. As we're going to sing at the end, this carol we sing all Christmas, the word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, is what Jesus is telling us. In John 14, verses 5 through 10, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For now you do know him, and you have seen him. And Philip, who's trying to get his head around it like the rest of us, Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus says to him, Have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father? The Father is in me. They indwell one another. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me, I am in the Father. The Father is in me, or else believe on the count of the works themselves. So John just plays this, these deep theological truths out in explicit detail, explains them to us through the words of Jesus. He wants us to know this. And then in John 16, 5 through 15, But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. 
He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What's the Father's is the Son's. What's the Son is the Holy Spirit's. What is the Father's is the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth. So it's this incredibly deep and rich truth that John is revealing to us in his gospel and introducing to us in our passage today. And you may fairly ask the point, okay, interesting, I mean, pretty crazy, pretty interesting, but what, what is the practical, what's the practical point? What does that have to do with me? Which um, is an, an entirely different <laughs> sermon <laughs> we won't go into, but let me just say this. In understanding why John wants us to know him, to understand him, because it, it reveals to us the essential nature of why we're here, of what we're about, what the meaning of life is, is revealed in these mysteries. For example, fundamentally, what is God in what we've been talking about? What is he but a relationship of three persons of perfect self-sacrificial love and unity? And they said, let us create them, you and me, in our image. Is it any wonder then that all of the studies that have been done for the last hundred years, one of them has been going on for 80 years at Harvard University, trying to understand what is the central thing that makes human beings thrive, that makes life fulfilling, and the answer to all the studies is relationship. We can find all kinds of things in this life, but we cannot be fulfilled. We cannot thrive and reach our full potential without deep, meaningful relationships. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is everything. We see this in who God is and what He is like. So understanding these truths reveal to us what life is is all about, and why we were created, why you're here, because God is perfect, loving relationship that he wants to share with others, you and I. Likewise, there's this intimacy about the book of John that he wants us to know him in this way. So he doesn't start telling the Christmas story the way Matthew or Luke do. He focuses on this sort of broader understanding of God and how God, this Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, works together to bring salvation and light and life into our world. The Christmas does not begin with the incarnation of the baby in the manger, but it begins in the very heart of God and who He is. Which John explicitly says in the most famous passage of the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, the Father so loved the world, that He gave the Son, the Word, so that whoever believes in Him won't perish, but have eternal life. Salvation is initiated in the very heart of God 
and who He is expressed in perfect love and unity by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the Father sending and the Son coming and the Holy Spirit moving on Mary in power to make it happen. John lifts our vision higher and wider than the baby in the manger. He wants us to know Him, to experience Him in the fullness of who He is as John has understood Him. He wants us to know that it wasn't wasn't like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were sitting up in heaven and looked down and saw, saw the mess that we were in. And the Son said to the other two, just sit back, relax. I'll go down there and take care of this and sort this out. No. It's the Word. He is the Word of the Father. Now in flesh, appearing And what has He said in John 15, 9? He says, just as the Father has loved me, so I love you. This is why we were created. Think about it. This perfect, unending, self-sacrificial love shared between this Trinitarian God is the same love they have for you. They want to share that with you. That's why they created you. So that you could share in this life and Christmas and the salvation story that John begins to unfold is about us coming back into the way it was supposed to be in the beginning that was lost. Calling us back into experiencing this life in God, in the fullness of who He is. If John had a Christmas wish, (laughs) I think it would be that we dwell on these things and understand these things. The love of the Father for us expressed and spoken to us through the Word, His Son, and then applied, made real to us by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And these things are at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian, what John is talking about. And it's no wonder that after John wrote his, his gospel, that these things were attacked over and over and over again. Specifically, some of the things that John said. Was Jesus really God? Was He created? And it became, it became the focus of, of the early church until in the 300s AD, all of the leaders of the Christian church, the elders from far and wide across the globe came together to solidify in a creed, this is what we believe. This is who God is. This is the salvation that He has brought to us. Became known as the Nicene Creed, which has John 1 baked into it. And to this day, sort of tongue-in-cheek, but actually true, it's the only thing that the entire church across the world has ever agreed on. (laughs) To this day. And since it's Christmas and we're all about uh, traditions, I thought maybe this morning we could read together the Nicene Creed to solidify these things in our mind that John wants us to understand about the Son and that He is God, that He is life, and that the fullness of Him expressed in the love of the Trinity which He wants to share with us and who He has brought to us and spoken to us through His Son. It encapsulates all we've talked about today. Now I wonder if you would be willing to uh, read it with me. I hope 
I hope this works. It worked in my mind when I put the sermon together. <laughs> Let's read this together. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through Him, all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day, He rose again according to the Scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We believe, affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world to come. Amen. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I pray that as we think about these things and as we sing together even now that we just embrace once again these things that John wants us to know in a fresh way. Jesus is our God. He is our salvation. The light of men. And in His fullness of who He is is such joy and love that He wants us to experience as God has shared in His life in, once in our lives as well. So I'm just going to ask the worship team to come forward. And as we close, we're going to sing, O come, all ye faithful. And I think John wants us to do, as it says in this Kim, O come, let us adore Him, our God, our salvation, the Word of the Father, now in flesh, appearing by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to sing a verse today too that was in the original hymn that we normally leave out that says, God from true God and light from light eternal, born of a virgin to earth He comes, only begotten Son of the Father. So I pray that as we sing this together, that, and, and as you sing this hymn over the holidays, that it, it has fresh meaning and fresh passion in your heart as we think about these things that John has written in John chapter 1. Well, let's pray together and then we'll sing. Father, we thank You. We thank You that You have loved us. And that You have loved us with such a love that You sent Your Son to dwell among us and to speak Your light and Your life into us. 
And Lord, we receive that word today. We receive the words that you have spoken to us through the Son. Father, I pray that it would be life to us again in this Christmas season, that it would be light to us again, that the joy of our salvation and what you have done, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what you have accomplished for us in calling us back into the life that you always wanted for us, that you created us for. God, I pray that it would be renewed in our hearts and in our lives again this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.